Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's episode... And when you're obsessing over others, you're putting yourself last. And that's good. That's all right. Because if you've got another 100 people in your organisation obsessing over others, you'll be first on someone's mind. When startup entrepreneur Mark Woodland was a soldier in the Australian Army, some scarring experiences in both drills and active duty taught him how to push through and get something done. That foundation of resilience was key when he started up his first business, Explore, which streamlined childcare arrangements for operators and parents and gave parents real-time access to their kids during the day. Mark ended up selling Explore, reportedly making it worth $100 million. But building up Explore threw up some tough lessons for Woodland, which then helped him when scaling up his recent health tech business, Kismet, from scratch. Kismet supports NDIS participants to link with pre-approved providers. While Mark Woodland's vision for Kismet is nothing short of universal global access to healthcare, he reckons to get there, start with basic values. Be humble, obsess over others, and get the culture right from the outset. Hope you enjoy part two of our chat with Mark Woodland. Mark Woodland, co-founder of Kismet Healthcare and Explore, and you're a serial entrepreneur, really. Welcome back. Thank you. Did you always have big goals and a big vision for both Explore and Kismet? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the vision, this similar, um, Explore was to make education great, um, and Kismet is to make healthcare more accessible. So very simple visions. Uh, I don't think they're achievable in our lifetime. I think no sooner do you make education great or healthcare more accessible, it could be more accessible or it could be greater. Um, But I think that's the point of a vision. Hopefully when I'm long gone, someone's still trying to do something for those two sectors that I think are critical um, for for this country and globally around the world. Um, So the big visions... um, Achievable though, and I'd, I'd like to think that they're decent visions to wake up to each morning and have a go at, and that's all right. That's a good reason to come to work. What did you learn at Explore that you brought with you to Kismet? Pretty much everything. Um, learned how to hire people without getting that wrong. You still make mistakes. Learned how important culture was um, and building culture from the start. A lot of people talk about culture and it's all airy-fairy. It, it's not. And and what did you mean? How did you learn that lesson? So what do you? So as a founder, you have one of these unique abilities or roles or responsibilities. Pick 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 a term of imparting the values that you stand for into the business. It's not what the business stands for because if those d- values are different to the founder or the CEO, good luck. So they're usually the founder or CEO's values, and then that's what the company is being formed on, and then that's going to determine everything. It's not going to determine success because there's superstars that don't agree with 
the values I have, and they're incredibly successful in other companies who have different values. It's just, can you find the right company that matches your values? Because if you go into a company or any workplace and think you're going to change the company's values because you're you and you're awesome, you're wrong. Um, the company's values are what they stand for. It's set in stone. So you're better off not joining and finding somewhere that's better suited for you. Um, but as a founder, as you say, you've got this unique opportunity mm. to set what the values are. Had you sort of given that a, a lot of thought or did you find out the kind of the hard way? Found out the hard way for Explore, which was the lesson learned for Kismet. Um, when I launched Explore, the, we didn't have, we ha- always had values because they were mine, um, but we didn't talk about them. We didn't cement them. We didn't explain them. We didn't hire based on values. So it was about 2017 um, when I met my first people person, um, Caitlin, and which Caitlin and I work together to cement what do we stand for, what do we look at, like how are we going to hire, how are we going to implement these processes. Um, and, you know, we built um, those values would be humble, which I think is one of the most powerful um, traits you can have as a human being. Um, and a lot of our values are doing words. It's not honesty or integrity and they're great values, for, but it's, do something. So be humble. So it tells you what to do. Embrace change. So embrace change. You don't have to question, how do I embrace change? Embrace change. How do I be humble? Be humble. Um, and so you would hire on those values. So little things like when you leave a room, do you push your chair in? Um, or do you just leave stuff everywhere? Do you offer to take the cups away? Or do you, and hopefully some of these values are taken home. Like I'm assuming people don't just leave chairs thrown out at home. They push their chair in, they're thankful, they're respectful of their place, their workplace. Well, it also of others. sounds like the lessons you learned at home. Yeah, great. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I also believe, and then if you look at embrace change, like you can't expect people to change what they're doing in healthcare or education if you're not willing to change yourself. If you're not willing to change, try something new, try a new system, uh, have some form of growth mindset, how can you ask others to do it? It's a little bit hypocritical. So that's why Embrace Change was important. Um, another value we had was obsess over others. I love the word, I love these words like embrace because they're very, very um, visual. So when I think of the word embrace, I think back to my army days and when soldiers returned from overseas and they'd see their loved ones or a child running up, they'd hold on to them. They'd embrace them as they get off the plane to see their families. Now, it's, it's an, it's a, it, <laughs> most humans cry at that point when they see those things. That's what you should do to change. Hold on to it, hold tight and, and go for it. Obsess is another one of those really powerful words. People think it's a negative word. But when you obsess over something, that's all you think about. It's a focus word. So when you're obsessing over others, you're putting yourself last. And that's good. That's all right. Because if you've got another hundred people in your organization obsessing over others, you'll be first on someone's mind. So there's those types of things and those values. And Kismet, we have be humble and embrace change because deeply their values. I can't get rid of them. So I'm sorry. But the other one though that has evolved is the value I love almost the most is do something. Do something, anything, just do something. And what I love about that value is, <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind, but um, Stefan, one of thy co-founders, um, his wife tells him to do something at home now. It's really cool. So she makes that values infiltrated their home and she says, do something. And I really like that. But it's just 
don't just sit there and wait for something. You get up, you fix it. So if you see something wrong in the business, fix it. I'd rather see people break something, try fixing something, then sit there and say, oh, I saw that going bad and I just, yeah. I could have done something. Yeah, or whinge about it. That's it. As it is going that's bad. It. So they're the values. That's what we believe in. Um, that's that's really the biggest thing. Yeah, and you've obviously put a lot of thought into that and culture. It's important. Leading like, to culture. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. I mean, culture though just comes down to do you care about your team? It's it's really basic. It's But not many people get it right. What do you do? And it's not just saying, I care, I care. What are your actions? How do you care? And that's built over years. And you may never see the result. And I definitely didn't see the result until I left. And then I realized, huh, people are happy. Um, and that's not just about money and pay packet, is it? No, absolutely not. And I can back that up because, you know, we're a startup. So we don't pay the best. Um, we pay well. But you could probably find other places that pay more. But yeah, we had people turning jobs down, never leaving, wanting to stay. And I never believed them until I'd left. So before you leapt into explore and you know, you were helping your mum out, but you mentioned that you were in the Australian Army. How long were you there? And mm. and that's an interesting start <laughs> for a, a tech startup guy. Uh, yeah. What did you learn? How long were you there and what did you learn from the army that you yeah. have also brought with you to these startups? I was there for about eight years. Um, started off in artillery, so combat arms role. Then I injured myself, hurt both my knees and went into psychology, into the psych corps. So I did about four years in each. Um, Did you see any active duty or peacekeeping duty or? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, so I was part of Operation Relax. Now, they're probably, most people don't know that, but they would know Children Overboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's what most people relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I was part of that and um, making, not, not the Children Overboard part, but uh, uh, making sure we'd intercept fishing the boats. Borders, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, political one. And um, so we did that, learned, learned lots there, still don't jump into the ocean this day. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But um, I think... Really? Sorry. Is that because you did have to jump into the ocean so, to well, save Not to save from people, drowning. to save myself. But um, ultimately, so... <laughs> Uh, I'll try and weave around. I don't know what I'm allowed to say or am allowed to say, but um, we were we were posted onto a navy ship. About eight army guys on a navy ship because they put the army in as a show of force, um, and so we weren't the most liked people. Army doing our job, they shouldn't be here. That type of stuff. So there's men overboard drills that happen and so the army guys were the men overboard and we'd jump off oh. and think we're just going for a swim we had life jackets on things yeah. like that nothing nothing bad and so we just eight of us just floating around and then we just watch this navy ship sail off into the distance and think and hindsight yes they're doing laps they're doing their thing it wasn't navy weren't leaving us there but that's sure is what it looked like and felt like and then one of my mates said hey woody look down and so I look down and I've never seen blackness like that in my life. And there's layers of blackness. So there's black, 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 dark. You can't see. And then it just gradually gets a little bit darker. If something swam up, 
There is nothing you could do. Terrifying. So, and it's not like you just swim to the closest land or you touch your f- We're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. So there is no land. There's nothing the, to see. The, the only thing you can nothing. see is the naval ship floating away. And I'm going, mate, like, why did you ask me to look down? Why was an idiot to look down in the first place? There was nothing you could do. I think there's an actual phobia, I think, for that. Mm. But- the abyss. Mm. Just completely helpless. I don't know. Anyway, that's that was my – so if that's so, all I have to deal with, that's okay. But So what do you reckon you brought from the military? Yeah, so it has to be – Yeah, it have to be the resilience. I was going to say discipline, but it's definitely the resilience because there'd be times when you're training and unless you're in the defence force, not just Army, any forces, you probably don't understand. But um, – You'd be crawling through some bush on your stomach, crawling through mud. You'd have a drill sergeant over you saying, crawl faster. At no point in time did you think, I'll stuff this, I'll just get up and go home. Like it doesn't even enter your mind. Okay, I'll crawl faster. I'll suck it up and I'll move faster. I'll do something. Um, So that type of resilience of just doing something that you don't want to do and you don't have the option about it, I think is, is being huge for me. How big do you plan on or do you see kismet getting? <laughs> I mean, do you have sort of markers of success that you haven't reached yet because you've only been going a short amount of time? What would be the markers of success for you with kismet? Yeah. I mean, if we're achieving that that vision of healthcare is now close to free because we've figured out a way to do that, that would be amazing. Um, if people are accessing healthcare um, and getting the care for their parents or children or family in general um, easier and faster and it wasn't a burden, a financial burden, it wasn't a, a stress that was added to the family nucleus, that's the definition of success. I think the only way you achieve that, though, is massive, massive global scale mm-hmm. on a global level because you might have siblings internationally, you might have them locally, you might have parents that travel, this universal healthcare where you could travel anywhere on the planet and still know that you're okay. Um, so it's a, it's a big vision. I think with scale obviously comes, you know, the conversation about revenue and people usually measure the success of a company by revenue. So you'd naturally be in that category. I just think you've got all these amazing companies out there that are doing amazing things, but it's not in education. It's not in healthcare. Like I love Apple and I'm usually the first person to jump on their 3am calls to see what the new thing is. But shouldn't that be showing off the new education system or showing off the new way we've solved some medical thing, um, cured cancer, made it easier for people to live? Shouldn't we be watching that stuff, not the newest phone that's come out? So it's all a little bit, and no offense, Apple, but all, all, it's all a little bit we're celebrating all this weird stuff. And so for me, success would be the focus is, well, in my mind, healthcare is probably the most critical thing that we need to solve and education's close after that. Was there one step that kind of catapulted, say, Explore and maybe Kismet already that you took that really did catapulted its growth? Um, there's lots of steps, lots of little steps. Um, 
So key partnerships, key decisions. Um, was there one key decision? I mean, for me, for Explorer, it was definitely um, Advent. That was a key decision and that was a key catapult moment. Um, for Kismet, we have a lot of those. It's still new days, but every day we solve a problem feels like a catapult moment. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. The big pitfalls that, because uh, I know you've talked about sort of the lessons learned mm. along the way, and you mentioned at the very outset that you're not the best founder in your <laughs> I own, don't think I am, in your own yeah. opinion. <laughs> um, but the big pitfalls that entrepreneurs and and startup um, explorers really fall into, what are they? Yeah, I, I, I try not to give advice on anything, but. Um, It's really making sure, and I th- everyone says this, but making sure you're doing it for the right reason. Um, but that goes for, like, I want a great culture. Well, why do you want a great culture? So you look good or you want a great place for people to work because they're happy and they can go home and feel fulfilled or are you just doing it because that's what you're meant to do? Um, so make sure your idea is actually, because a lot of people come to me, I've got a great idea, but it's not going to make any money. Okay. So what stops that from being a great idea? Um, so people are looking for money, which is probably part of the system. It needs to generate revenue, but you don't have to take money from VCs. You can build a business and have a very sustainable business. And so if you're going to take venture funding, why are you taking it and what's it going to achieve and what's the purpose of it and why do you need it? Do you want a newspaper article or, or what are you trying to achieve out of it? Um, and then the execution, a lot of people – less so with founders, but you're everything. you got to execute. There's no one else to blame. You have to do it. Um, it's your job. It's your problem. It's your responsibility. If it doesn't work, that's you. That's the harshness of it. Um, and a lot of people don't want that. Yeah. So did you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were you folks in business? Are they – oh, well, you uh, said your mum. Yeah, my mum was a teacher. Mom. Yeah, yeah. So my she whole was family teacher. are teachers. Yeah. Uh, my uncle's a teacher. Um, they all do great things, um, but there was no sort of not business. Real I don't think business. mum was mum. My mum was probably the first entrepreneur starting a childcare yeah. centre. Yeah, um, I tagged off the back of her. But, so, um, where do you think this entrepreneurial kind of spirit to back yourself came from? Or yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> I I am amazed at why people join startups. I don't understand why people would join a startup and not go get a very stable, secure job. I don't understand why people would well, do Well, I could ask you that. Um, <laughs> you know, you had a stable job and, and, in yeah, the army. People, yeah, and people say, well, why, why do you do that? And it was <laughs> outside the opportunity that existed. It was probably quicker for me to start a business than try and get a job. Everyone says, oh, you didn't try, you didn't look for a job. Yes, I, I didn't. But what, what, what? I don't even know what I'd get hired. I have no qualifications. I've got – so if this is sort of what you I can do. You did a uni degree. No, I didn't finish my uni degree. Um, so you dropped out of uni. Yeah, I dropped out of uni, joined the army, dropped dropped out of the army, left the army, went into the business. Um, so I don't – so this is what shocks me is I don't really have a choice. You have a choice. I, what are you doing here? So not a great sales pitch to come join <laughs> – <laughs> a startup, but I honestly ask those questions in interviews, making sure people understand what they're getting into. Yeah. But it is a great leap of faith, don't you think? 100%. Say, I'm going to back myself. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know anything else since leaving the army is the answer. Um, I don't have an answer for it is, is the truth. Mm. Why did you drop out of uni? Can you remember? Yeah, this is controversial. I didn't like writing assignments for the viewpoint of my lecturer. So writing in a way that made them feel better. Please them. Yeah. Didn't like that. Mm, didn't like sound that. like university was going to suit you. Didn't like that. I and just you didn't thought do, that was You didn't really do wrong. tech or No, I, I did a Bachelor science. of Law in Behavioural Science, so yeah. Amazing. Well, you're obviously using the behavioural science <laughs> and probably the law as well. Just a few quick questions yeah. that I'm asking all my guests. doesn't have to be a long answer, and we talked about this word before, but what are you obsessed about at the moment, be it a cause, a book, a film, something you're into? Two things. One, NDIS, having a lot of battles trying to make that better. Um, and also, I am absolutely addicted to Yellowstone. So, TV program. Yeah, yeah. Yes, TV show, sorry. Yeah. So are you secretly wishing to be a cowboy? I thought that was my path. I was going to retire. <laughs> I had a tractor. <laughs> uh, what's the toughest thing you think you've found on your entrepreneurial startup journey that you faced? Um, it's a tricky one. Um, it's probably the lonely, the loneliness or the burden that comes with being the person in charge and you don't have anyone to talk to. That sounds really doom and gloom, but a lot of the time it feels like that. So have you found a solution to that? Like, is there someone you can talk to? There's always people you can talk to. You've got your VCs and yeah. things like that, but um, sometimes you just don't want them to deal with your dramas as well. Yeah. Do you ever talk to your mum about this stuff? No, because I would add burden to her. Yeah. yeah. What's the biggest lesson you've learned along the way in the startup world? I'd have to say get the culture right. Yeah, just get that right from the start and then don't don't move. Like make sure you got the right culture. If you were starting your entrepreneurial journey again, what would you tell yourself? One thing that you have <laughs> don't to do, do it. it. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Um or let me put it another way. If you were someone a young person has an idea and wants to say, should I pursue my idea? Should I back myself? Yeah, it'd be like what I mentioned before. Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and you're passionate about it because that's all you're going to have. <laughs> Great. Mark Woodland, co-founder of Explore and then Kismet, now Kismet. Thank you so much for joining me on Build It, They'll Come. No, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.